welcome to I Got Sucked Off by Historical King Arthur, a sincere and critical analysis of fate, uh, the series where you fuck the mythological King Ar Arthur for magic. Uh, I can't say that title without smiling. It's you keep, so good. You keep wanting to say the mythological King Archer, which just makes me think, like, you, you really do have the hots for Archer. I mean, listen... I don't know what the, he's not in the, these three days, and I kind of wish he was. I, yeah, I, 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 he'd have things to say. He would have a lot of things to say, and I would like for him to say those things. Specifically to Shiro. Yeah, I mean, listen, Archer's greatest achievement is how badly he clowns on Shiro. It's the single yeah. best part of him. That is that is for an entirely another arc, though, so we're going to have to wait a while for that. Just uh. wanted to kick Shiro's ass. Yeah, same. Uh, anyway, I guess I'm Dustin. Oh, my right, we didn't introduce ourselves. Uh, I, I'm Sierra, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, and today we are here to talk about Fate Stay Night, Rialta Nua, uh, days four through six of the Fate Brute. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really have any preamble, so I guess... We'll get right into it. Um, so we begin on day four, uh, where Shiro has uh, is having another dream, as he usually does, uh, about his adoptive father that happened during a winter night five years ago. Uh, Kuritsugu confesses to Shiro, quote, When I was a child, I wanted to be a superhero. Shiro asks if he gave up that dream, and he says, Yes, unfortunately. Being a hero is a time-limited thing, and it becomes hard to call yourself that when you grow up. I wish I'd found that out earlier. Shiro tells his father that he'll realize his dream in his stead. Kuritsugu takes one last breath and says, Yeah, I'm relieved, and dies peacefully. Uh, we Okay, I, I need to talk about this for a second, because... Sure. Uh, <laughs> I figured you would. Kuritsugu... You suck so fucking bad, oh my god. He's such a bad dad. He's the worst fa- No, he's not the worst father, because we'll meet the worst father in this. Uh, There's, it, there there, there, there are, are worse multiple worst fathers in this. But, like, Kiritsugu is so bad at being a dad. I, I, I mean, th that's, like, the actual thing. It's, like, he's not actually a- He is not intended to be a good father. He is very explicitly a bad father. Um, yeah. And, like- Kiritsugu explicitly stating uh, uh, that that the the desire to be a superhero is like this uh, childish and naive worldview and is not like a thing you can do is as you get older and start to see the world with more nuance is interesting and the fact that like Shiro is clearly clinging on to this uh, uh, this idea or this ideal that he himself like he himself explicitly states later he doesn't really understand what this ideal is or what this goal is or how to achieve it or what it means to achieve it but he knows he's supposed to do it because that's what his dad said for him to do um and it's yeah and, be, and because he thinks his dad is cool because he saved his life yeah well and like <laughs> he, he thinks his dad is cool because he saved his life uh it, We'll get more into that, especially in Unlimited Blade Works, because I think there's something really interesting with that stuff. Um, but, like, as it stands right now, yeah. um, uh, Shiro, like, explicitly does not really understand how to go about this. And, like, it is clear. It, and, like, that makes um, 
a lot of curious comments make more sense too because uh shiro's ideals are clearly fragile because they're not his like he doesn't know what to believe he doesn't know how to believe him and he's clinging on to them because he has built an entire identity around it and has no idea who he would be without it because that's how high schoolers fucking be yeah um and so that's it's interesting um it it also is interesting in context of uh, uh, his bond with Rin, because, hey, Rin seems to be in a similar situation of uh, uh, has a path prepared for them and is instrumentalized by their father. Um, and then their father fucking kicks the bucket and then they're both just sort of stuck with this and don't really know how to achieve that goal. Yeah, and they're just trying to sort of figure it out as they go. Yeah. Well, and, like both of them end up being these weird performances uh, of identity as they move through the world, like Shiro with his just going through the rope motions and uh, uh, Tosaka with the absurd persona she creates at school. Yeah, yeah, and like, clear, like we we get more of it in these days, but like Rin is clearly like a bad mage by she's the standards so of what fucking, a mage is supposed to be. She's so bad at it. Also, she's an asshole and it rules. She's so <laughs> yeah. mean. These four days are, are, are like, are, are more evidence for my Rin is the best character in this entire She's game. She's so argument. good! I love her so much! <laughs> oh my god, she's such an asshole. <laughs> uh, so, Shiro wakes up from his dream in his room and immediately tastes blood in his mouth. He washes his face in the bathroom and then heads to the living room where he's surprised to find Rin, wait- Rin waiting for him. Rin demands that he apologize for doing something as stupid as running at Berserker, and lectures him that since a servant disappears if their master dies, it makes no sense for a master to take a blow for a servant. Rin explains that she took Shiro to the church not to help him win, but to help him stay alive. Shiro asks why Rin is so mad, since he's the one who made the mistake, and Rin admits that she's been worried about him the whole night. Uh... Yeah, so th- this is basically just Rin going, why are you such a fucking dumbass? Uh, uh, well, and Shiro, uh, Shiro also um, <laughs> argues, oh, well, uh, uh, I was just trying, I just didn't succeed in getting out of the way. I wasn't really planning on uh, uh, getting hit. Um, but also his inner monologue makes it clear that, like, that's a lie. Like, he did not yeah. take into account him getting hurt at all. It was not even registering for him. Yeah, we get more explicit when Saber and Shiro have this basically same conversation, mm-hmm. um, and we start to get a deeper look into what Shiro's freaking deal is. Um, oh, it's not good. This is the first hint that like, this is the first hint that like the reason why Rin doesn't understand Shiro's motivations or why he does what he does is because Shiro is basically lying to other people and himself constantly about what his actual motivation every fucking he lies as he lives and breathes because a he knows what he wants to want to do and b also knows it's a stupid fucking ideal yeah uh the player then gets a choice of what to ask rin about next um if you uh if you ask about what happened yesterday uh rin explains that berserker left after shiro fell unconscious Shiro's body started healing itself and looked fine after ten minutes. Rin then brought him back to his house. 
She speculates that Sabre's power is what caused his healing, and that a karmic line must have formed between them. In normal Magus-familiar relationships, the Magus's power flows to the familiar, but in this case, the opposite is happening. Ren also reveals that some masters have even shared their physical bodies with their servant to avoid dying until their servants are dead. Uh, Rin also ex- suspects that Shiro is expending something other than Saber's magic to heal himself, but she's unsure exactly what it might be. Through this whole conversation, she's acting pretty sundere towards Shiro, who now realizes this is the real Tosaka Rin, and how she acts at school is just a mask. At one point during this conversation, Shiro also does say uh, uh, that he is, quote, uh, not strong enough to justify people's deaths as good or bad. Um, I, I think that is an interesting, like, line, um, in that, like, uh, it, it is opening to the possibility that, uh, uh, a death being a good or a moral thing is, like, a possibility, and, like, the yeah. ability to make that choice is a more, is a strength of character to do so, and, like, Shiro is not able to make that choice, and that is, at least to Shiro, uh, uh, a fault, like, it is a fault within him that makes it so he is not able to do that. Um, yeah, a b- brief moment of honesty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, Rin asks Shiro what he wants to do next. He's not sure if he even wants the Holy Grail. Uh, she advises him not to say that in front of his servant, since servants allow themselves to be summoned and obey their masters with the expectation of being rewarded with a wish on the Grail. Uh... It's a quid pro quo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, still, he's he's reluctant to kill other servants, even though Rin explains that servants don't die. They just go back to where they belong. He says he doesn't have any intention of seeking out the other mages to kill, but he will kill them if he's attacked. Rin needles him by asking if that means he'd just stand by and watch if a servant like Berserker went on a rampage and started killing people. He asks why someone would do that, and she explains that the most efficient way to make a servant more powerful is to feed them human emotions and souls. Mm-hmm. Which is the purpose of, like, that boundary field. Um, and is this where we also hear her talk about uh, uh, people from... Or, or the random deaths that are happening, or, or uh, passing out of people throughout town is also likely because of that? Uh, that yes, later? I believe... I think that might be later. I, I want to say I have it okay. here somewhere. But yeah, just keep in mind that's Parts of these days happening. kind of blend together. Blend together. Yeah, there, there's they're a the lot same of, sort of day over and over again. Yeah, there's a lot of ground that they, that they share. Mm-hmm. Um, Rin asks if Shira would like to team up with her. She even offers to teach him how to be a proper master if he accepts. He does accept, and thinks to himself that he actually finds the abrasive reality of the real Rin more attractive than the idealized version she usually presents. Same, bro. Uh, also, in my notes, literally at this point, I wrote, oh my god, please, man, be like 30% less horny. Uh, it's just like... He, he keeps getting distracted by pretty all these pretty women around him. I Listen, listen. <laughs> I'm also a gay bitch, but, like, my man, you need to <laughs> dial it, like, ten, even 10% back. Just yeah. be regular for, like, 10 minutes. Rin is trying desperately to, like, keep him alive. And Shiro is just, oh, I like it when she abuses me. He does a little bit, doesn't he? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, anyway, uh, she's, uh, she shakes on the agreement and says that they'll be allies until Berserker is defeated, uh, because he is clearly the strongest threat. Uh, Shiro, suddenly realizing he's touching her hand, instinctively reco- recoils out of embarrassment. Oh my fucking god. Because <laughs> he's so fucking lame. <laughs> Rin, at first, thinks he's going to back on the deal, but when she, but when he sheepishly tells her he does, he does still want to team up. She realizes what went through his head and teases him about his shyness because Rin knows what's going on. It does, also like right before this too. Shiro's like, "Hey, I'm not that bad," and Rin's response is basically like, "Bitch, you almost died three times in it in one day. You did die one of those three times. Like, really? You're not yeah. that bad? I've never seen anyone almost die that often." It's so fucking funny. She <laughs> you, just rose his ass. Touch my hand. Oh, uh, uh, the, the Chad Rin Tosaka versus the Virgin Shiro Emiya. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, as proof of their new alliance, she gives him her father's book, an encyclopedia of sorts of the various servants. She explains that each of the seven classes of servants have their own characteristics, but a servant's avil- abilities can differ depending on the rank of the heroic spirit. A spirit's strength can change depending on how famous they are during the time period they're summoned. The strongest spirits, such as Heracles, are rank A servants. Once her lecture is over, Rin reminds Shiro that since there can be only one winner, they will eventually have to fight each other. Quote, so it'll be easier if you don't think of me as human. It, it makes me sad that they all keep doing this, and I'm just like... Yeah. Can- Rin, you got money? Can't you go to therapy? <laughs> she look. It, it, Rin would Rin would just see, say, "I don't need therapy. I can examine my own mind." I'm sorry. God. She would. <laughs> Fuck. I'm I'm about to fucking win the Holy Grail War just to make all these motherfuckers go to therapy. <laughs> uh. As he reflects on his predicament, Shiro suddenly realizes that Rin never said anything about what happened to Saber after the battle. He searches his house for her for a while before eventually finding her meditating in the dojo. (sighs) Okay, we again get Shiro being horny as he once again is taken aback by her beauty and struggles to start talking to her. So Saber takes the... Go ahead. What I will say um, that I do think is interesting is Saber's attraction to Rin versus Saber's attraction to Shiro are texturally very different. Shiro's attraction? (laughs) Yes. I but, wish there was a Saber Rin Yuri route. Jesus Christ. I, it would be the only route I would play. We'd get halfway through and I would be talking about fucking the Saber Rin route. And you would be like, Sierra, you told me you weren't going to do this again. It would be the only route worth playing. <laughs> uh, um, sorry. So uh, Saber's, uh, Shiro's attraction to Saber is very different from Shiro's attraction to Rin, which is yeah. something I appreciate. It's not just girl hot. Uh, like, with Rin, it's very clearly, like, uh, it, it is both girl hot and also, um, uh, like, there is a dynamic there that is, like, compelling. She is a very charismatic person, and, like, Shiro is not. And not in, like, the, um, I am a light novel protagonist and therefore I have no charisma sort of way, even though everyone insists yeah. I do. But in the, like, uh, Rin has clear and defined ideologies, which for Shiro, a person who does not, that is something that is compelling and attracting for him. Um, yeah. Also, he thinks with his dick 90% of the time. Um, 
So there's that. Um, yeah. Whereas with Saber, it... it Saber is almost described more as, like, a fey ethereal being. Uh, um, yeah, what I was going to describe it as is it feels like a, a description of courtly love. Um, yeah. Like, it, it feels like someone out of King Arthur's court. Like, like, and it feels like Lancelot... T- I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Uh, but it, it feels like Lancelot describing Guinevere um, is, like, how it reads, almost. Um, like, the, yeah. there, is, there is a physical attraction to it, but it is not, I am staring at her titties, and therefore that makes her hot, um, which is interesting. Um, it, it is a very different dynamic, and it, like... Shiro... There is a distance that is created by that attraction that uh, is... The opposite of what, like, uh, uh, Shiro's attraction to Rin, um, and the way that attraction manifests ends up with him feeling close to, like, Rin. Like, there is, like, a connection and an intimacy that they have developed very quickly, um, and, like, that is both partly the basis for that, uh, attraction and a thing that is amplified by that attraction. Um, whereas the attraction Shiro has for Saber feels like something that adds to that distance. Yeah, it's more like a sort of there's an awe there, mm-hmm. like he is affected by her presence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it it is. It's just like right back to back. It's oh, very yeah. funny. No, to I, me. I, again, this is like <laughs> if someone were to be like, "Oh my god, this it, it, this fucking uh, visual novel is so horny," I would be like, "Yeah, I mean, like you're not wrong." Like I. Yeah, I, I'm still gonna read like themes and like concepts in the horny, but like the horny's there. It's still definitely horny. Yeah. Uh, so Saber takes the initiative and proceeds to admonish him for taking a blow for her, saying there was no reason to do it. He responds that he doesn't need a reason to save a girl. This seems to surprise Saber enough that she pauses to stare at him. <laughs> Just like, Shiro, you stupid bitch. I got armor, you dumb motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, Shiro takes this moment to change the topic to the Grail War. He's resolved to fight, but he doesn't think he has much chance of victory. Saber assures him that he has no chance. She will use every means possible to create a chance. He asks if this means she'd kill civilians to gain a power-up, but she replies... I cannot betray my beliefs. It is against the knight's oath to hurt those who are unarmed. Which is the first... Well, not not necessarily the first hint, because we got the armor um, and general look of Saber, but sort of the first, like, direct hint as to who Saber is. Mm-hmm. We, we know she uh, is a knight of some sort. Um, yeah. And we definitely don't already know who exactly she is. Um, <laughs> yes, by just cultural osmosis. Uh-huh. Uh, re- relieved at this, Shiro informs her that he's decided to team up with Rin. Saber agrees that this is a smart decision. Well, um, um, so the thing Saber specifically says is like, I will not do that of my own free will. Um, you can make me do that with a command seal, um, but you will have to burn that command seal to, I believe the quote was, uh, uh, it, it to pay for treading inside of me. Um, yeah. And like, it is, again, one of those things where it immediately defines their relationship as uh, she is aware they are not on equal terms. Like, yeah. They, they are not uh, uh, at equal – like, they are both a threat to each other, but, like, he has access to command seals, which just let him 
command her to do anything. Like, yeah, and because Shiro is both just bad at starting conversations with Saber and also likes to talk in circles and not sort of take a long time to actually get to his point. Saber at this point still doesn't really know what kind of master Shiro is. Yes. Like Shiro still does not make sense to him. So when he asks, Oh, would you kill people to gain a power up? Like she's not sure if, why he's asking that question. So she's just assuming like, well, if you're she's just like thinking, well, are you going to make me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, at this point, the player is given a choice of responses. Uh, I asked Saber, I asked where Saber got her casual clothes because it gives you a Saber affection point. Uh, Saber explains Rin prepared them for her so she won't attract attention when walking about. Oh yeah, I should note um, during the scene, Saber is in. I'm so bad at describing clothes. Uh, let me see if I can Google the casual outfit. Um, it's, it's like, like a, a white long a sleeve down blouse. white dress blouse. shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blouse uh, with a uh, with a long blue skirt mm-hmm. um, and black leggings. Yeah, uh, it's cute. Yeah, it, it's like it's um, a fine. It's a regular outfit. Yeah, it's just very normal. Uh, anyway. Uh, God, where did I... problem with having such a big script is it's hard to find my place when I interrupt myself during a paragraph. Alright, Saber, Saber explains Rim prepared them for her so she won't attract attention when walking about. Saber's armor is woven by magical energy, so she can just don it in a moment's notice whenever she wants. Uh, at this point, Rin arrives to interrupt the conversation, carrying a big bag of stuff she brought from her house. She's... This scene is so good. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't I can't possibly do justice to it in a summary. Uh, but I'm going to try. Uh, she tells Shiro she'll be living at his house now as part of the Alliance. And if he hasn't already picked out a room for her, she'll just pick one herself. Uh, Rin also suggests that Shiro assign a room to Saber or have her share his bed since she can't go into spirit form. Shiro protests that he can't possibly share a bed with Saber since she's a girl. Uh, Rin uses this to deliberately egg Saber on by saying, oh, oh, well, uh, and I want to say I'm directly quoting Rin here. Oh, well, that's what Shiro says, Saber. He says he doesn't like to be in the same room with a girl. Uh, Saber protests, saying she can't protect him properly while he sleeps if she's not in the same room. Shiro continues to protest, but both Rin and Saber clearly don't clearly think he's being a stubborn idiot for treating his servant exactly like a human woman. Mm-hmm. Un- unfortunately, Shiro is too disastrously horny to, re- to relent to their arguments and only allows Saber to, at most, sleep in a room that's next to his. Uh, this conversation starts to get at the heart of why Shiro yes. did what he did with Berserker. Mm-hmm. Because he does not see Saber as a servant. Uh, um like when Berser- when he was seeing Saber wounded and like <laughs> it it it's uh, man these th- these 3 days flash back to that one pr- particular CG of Saber just dramatically bleeding out of her chest so many times. It's a okay. um, to be fair, it's a good ass CG. Like it's a great it image. Um yeah. I also 
I think part of it, too, is I don't know that Shiro sees any servant as a servant. Yeah. Like, he clearly sees Archer and uh, Lancer, to a degree, as, like, people. Um, Berserker is a little different, but that's because Berserker is Berserker. Yeah, Berserker is um, a big meat muscle that looks more monster than man. Like, And is, like, definitionally, like, unable to communicate, but, like... Yeah. Lancer, Archer, and Saber all, like, are people who have... And we even see it with Ryder some um, later. Uh, like, they're somebody who communicates with him, and that makes it hard for him to... to see them as anything other than people. Or, like, their status of a, as a servant to him is irrelevant to their personhood. Yeah. Like, Toshiro, if they look like a person and talk like a person, and act like a person, then it they should be treated just like a normal person. Yes. <laughs> Which, like, you know, isn't necessarily wrong. But uh, also, my man, she, she a sword wizard, and she could yeah. murder you in a heartbeat, and you could not touch her, like... Yeah, but also he, he's, like, he's, like, coming to the wrong conclusions based on that premise... <laughs> <laughs> right, but I, I do think it is, like, an important distinction that it is not unique to Saber that he feels this way, um, and yeah. also that, like, it is it, it is counter to every single thing that makes a mage a mage. Um, like, it, you should not be thinking of a servant as a person, and, like, both Rin and Saber hit this home constantly. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's... What's interesting about Saber is that she she actually more closely hues to like Rin's yes. like sort of mage I like um ideas mm-hmm. um and it's it's, it's funny because like this this sort of like um or at least in in media post Fate Stay Night. Like you tend to think of Saber as like the oh yes the the noble the noble sword wife, um, when I mean there is some of that, but like at least in these early chapters, Saber is still very much like I'm a serious murder person. Uh, yeah, no, like Saber is like no, my job here is to fucking win. I w- I'm not about to kill, like, random civilians, but anybody who is an active combatant, yeah, let's go. Uh, uh, yeah, let's, like, right now, in her I first appearance, right she, In her first appearance, she nearly slices Rin's neck open. Like, yeah. that is the first thing she does. But, uh, like, I, I think that is an also, like, important distinction between her and uh, Shiro. Like, she is not willing to hesitate. Or, she is willing not to hesitate. Um, yeah. And yeah, in this conversation, she also does the same sort of thing uh, that we see Rin do, uh, where she instrumentalizes herself and insists she is not a person. She is a tool for victory. Um, And Shiro gets so very upset at this. (laughs) Uh, With the argument finished, Rin goes to find herself a room and Shiro shows Saber where he's sleeping. So many S-words. This makes it very uh, hard. Th- there is uh, also um, one last quote in that conversation that I think oh, is yeah, important. Sure. Go ahead. Um, which is uh, when they talk about uh, Shiro suicidally rushing in to try and save her. Um, 
Saber says something along the lines of uh, disregarding your own life and rushing in means you're lacking something. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, which I, is, I remember taking note of that, too. It, I think that is an important line because, like, that is a core issue for Shiro. And it will be for, like, every route is my understanding. Um, like, Shiro does not value his own life in any oh, way. Oh, I know why I didn't bring it up because that actually happens at... at after dinner oh is that the second conversation I, they have my bad yeah i have it in my summary actually Sorry. that's fine yeah again it's perfectly fine a lot there's a lot of repetition here mm-hmm. um but anyway uh uh saber is shocked to find that shiro's room is pretty empty of furnishings saber then has a private conversation with shiro she explains that due to his magic resistance not being high she has decided not to tell him her true name for fear that Magi might be able to easily extract the information from him. She also reveals that she hasn't been receiving any magical energy from Shiro, likely due to a fault in the summoning. Mm-hmm. In order to stay in the world as long as possible, she'll need to conserve her remaining energy and sleep as much as possible. Uh, she also talks a little bit about her past. This is the second Holy Grail War she's been in. While some heroic spirits can be summoned as different classes, she only corresponds to Saber. Uh, Finally, she tries to remind him that he should stop treating her as a full human being and then goes to her room to sleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the evening, Shiro and Rin agree to trade off cooking dinner. Shiro, however, will be cooking every breakfast since since Rin doesn't bother with with breakfast. (laughs) Fucking same. Yeah, uh-huh. Rin getting more relatable uh, as time goes on. Uh, while Shiro preps dinner, Rin and Saber discuss strategy. Um, this is actually one of my favorite little moments where, like, Sh- Shiro's off doing his thing while Rin and Saber are doing, like, important shit. <laughs> and uh, Shiro's, like, getting mad at both of them because he's like, okay, just bullshit. I wish Saber was talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rin intends to search for the remaining four masters they haven't met yet. She also reveals what she knows about Eilisville. Uh, um, she's from the Eisenburn uh, Magus family, who have been who have almost won the Holy Grail several times. Rin speculates she'll be their biggest obstacle, since the Berserker class sacrifices a servant Sandy for a huge boost in power that a normal Magus would have difficult controlling especially when the hero is as high rank as Heracles. Uh, basically, most of the time, Berserker status is used to make a lower rank servant um, more powerful. In this case, it's used to it's being used to make a already A rank servant even more powerful. Yeah, no, it, it, uh, Heracles goes from mission status sick to mission status sick. Yeah, he's he's really dangerous. Uh, since neither Saber nor Archer are fully healed yet, Saber suggests that Archer keep watch on the roof. Uh, once Shiro has served dinner, they go back to talking about plans for the future. Since no one in the Alliance has a long range, has any long-range tracking abilities, Rin decides it would be best to not take the initiative until they're prepared. Simply go through life like normal and hide all signs that they're magi. Mm-hmm. Later that night, Saber has a brief discussion with Shiro about his actions with Berserker, asking him why he shielded her. He lies and tells her he was just confused, and it probably won't happen again. She tells him that no normal human would try to save another while ignoring their own life. 
Quote, if someone like that exists, they would be lacking something. If he continued with that missing thing, only tragedy would await. And quote. <laughs> Shiro's so fucked. Uh, this will become more important in Unlimited Blade Works. Uh, I mean, uh, Shiro... It, it, it is like core to Shiro as a whole. Like, Shiro is yeah. lacking something. And... Uh, a lot of what this is about, at least it seems to me, is what exactly it is he is lacking, and if that lack is important. Yeah. Uh, Shiro is still too nervous to sleep near Saber, and in the middle of the night, he heads to the shed to do magical training. Uh, we begin day five. Uh, oh, uh, Shiro um, wakes so up in the shed. Oh, there sorry, is one thing ahead. when he's doing that magical training, uh, and he says, inside my head is the usual image of a sword, and then he ignores it. And it's like, bruh. Ah, uh, yes. Bruh. The usual. Most people don't usually just have an image of a sword in their head. It's great. <laughs> the boy just loves swords. Uh, uh, Shiro who wakes does up. Not? Yeah, same. Uh, Shiro wakes up in the shed and heads over to the... <laughs> this is just from... <laughs> This is just making me think of the stupid Gundam meme, except, like, it, it's Saber shooting off her noble phantasm and being, like, uh, people instrumental and instrumentalize themselves as weapons of violence, and Shiro going, wow, cool sword! <laughs> cool, I'm making that as soon as we're done with this podcast. Uh, anyway... Uh, Shiro wakes up in the shed and heads over to the house to make breakfast. Uh, Sakura rings the doorbell, and without thinking much about it, Rin answers the door. Or maybe she is thinking about it and just wants to be a gremlin. I don't know. She might just be being a gremlin. Uh, Sakura is confused, and Rin seems to be taking some enjoyment from giving ambiguous answers and watching her squirm. Because they're they're not ambiguous. (laughs) Rin is blatantly implying that, like, she and Shiro are a, like, thing. Like, if they weren't actively fucking, there was, like, some sort of committed relationship there. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess it's ambiguous in terms of, like, not literally saying, yes, I am sleeping in his bed. Yeah, like, it is It is not... The only reason I say that is because, like, Sakura basically calls her out on this. And, like, says... Sakura basically says, no, I don't get it. You're gonna have to explain it to me if you want me to understand. And then fucking walks in and Rin fucking is just deer in headlights. It's it's funny that like, because uh, again, this is this is sort of giving me a different impression from Sakura than I did just watching the anime the anime I've seen and like the sort of cultural mm-hmm. osmosis of Sakura as yes. like this very demure like um a very p- pure Japanese perfect wife lady uh, she... uh you're, you're telling me that the cultural conception and uh, uh, future media of fate say night have removed a lot of the nuance of the characters yeah i might be uh, uh, i'm surprised yeah no, it, it is funny that like the first person who like really uh gives rin someone to contend with is sakura well the thing that I think is interesting, too, is that, like, it's not just that she gives Rin something to contend with. It's that, like, the way she contends with Rin is basically saying, put the fuck up or shut up. Yeah. Like, back up what you've got to say or shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, she basically dares Rin to commit sincerely to something. Uh, and Rin blinks. 
Yeah. Uh, it's great because, like, um, I'm, so this is the next part of the summary. Rin tells Sakura that her assistance isn't needed anymore, but Sakura ignores her and heads to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she's just like, all right, I'm still doing my thing here. <laughs> uh, to avoid any more unfortunate meetings, Shiro uh, quickly runs over to Saber to explain the situation to her. Uh, and Saber agrees that it will be best to stay out of Sakura's sight until she leaves. Uh, unfortunately, Taiga is a different story. <laughs> Fuck it, I love Fujine! <laughs> when, she, when she notices Rin, she goes into a rage mode and forbids Rin from staying over. Uh, Rin so calms good. her down, though, by explaining that she's already spent two nights at the guest house. She also comes up with a story about her, heart, about her house undergoing remodeling. She tells Taiga she was originally going to stay at a hotel, but Shiro offered to let her use his house so she wouldn't waste money. Rin expertly diffuses Taiga's anger with facts and logic. Well, also, she's like, I mean, listen, you say I can't stay here. I've already stayed here two nights. Like, if we were going to do something, we'd have already done something. Also, I mean, it locks and like... Are, are you saying Shiro's the kind of boy who would do something? And then Fujine is like, of yeah. course not. And yeah, then I, it, it, it's so funny. I love I love how this shows that Rin uses dip, completely different tactics depending on who she's speaking to. Like, she this is not at all like how she tried to get Sakura to like. Uh huh. Well, and it's it's so funny too because like Fujine is like. It is clear to her what's happening, but she doesn't really have any recourse. And so she just sort of, like, fucking takes the L, but pouts about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because, like, with, with with Sakura, Rin is just being a troll. But with Taiga, like, she knows that if she, if she just tries to troll Taiga, Taiga will just, like, start going into berserker mode. <laughs> like, so she just complete, takes a completely different tactic of, like, logic and flattery. Uh, uh, yes, I'm summoned my bez- er, my servant, the Berserker, Taiga Fujimura. So, you say that as a joke. Hold up, no, you're, that doesn't But there happen. is a servant in Fate Grand Order. Fuck off, are you serious? <laughs> yes. Fuck off. So, in Fate Grand Order, uh, Taiga shows up as a demi-servant, Lancer, known as Jaguar Man. <laughs> Fuck off. Absolutely not. What? Oh my fucking god. You're not lying and I'm so mad. <laughs> anyway, so you'll have that to look forward to. Oh my fucking god. She shows up in the Babel of the Babylonia arc, which actually did get an adaptation. Oh my fucking god. Uh, or at least I think it's the Babylonia arc. Um... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. But yeah, so we we will likely see uh, animated Demi-Servant Taiga. Oh my fucking god, I was joking. (laughs) Nasu, I can't believe you've done this to me. (laughs) Alright, so, now that I've blown your mind... (laughs) Yeah, I just mind-freaked you. Uh, Shiro walks to school with Rin and Sakura. Uh, Rin notices people looking at... Uh, at this point, Rin and Sakura are actually getting along fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, Rin notices people looking at her strangely, but she isn't sure why. 
Uh, Sakura, uh, because she's good at empathy, uh, speculates that no one has ever seen her walk to school with someone before. Uh, Rin, that is. Rin is usually alone. <laughs> Sakura uh, also, like, compliments her in the gayest way possible, and I'm just like, man, why couldn't this be a gay visual novel? <laughs> yeah. It, it would work just as well as, as a Yuri visual novel. I'm um, saying. Uh, you, you could even have Sakura be the protagonist. Um, I, you could. I have a feeling we'll be saying this a lot when we get to Heaven's Feel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at school, Shinji intercepts them and is about to hit Sakura for going to Shiro's house instead of helping at the dojo. Shiro grasps his hand in greeting to stop the blow. Uh, Shinji starts to tell Sakura that she should just leave Shiro alone from now on, but Rin diverts his attention by making her presence known. Shinji asks what she's doing here, and Rin explains that they're mutual acquaintances of Shiro, so it makes sense that she try to make friends with Sakura. Shinji at first assumes Rin is doing this to make him jealous, but Rin bluntly tells him that she's not interested in him in the slightest. Rin deals the finishing blow by reminding Shinji that the archery club is open participation, so club members can come and go as they please, and just as Shinji doesn't want them poking their noses into his family affairs, Shinji should stay out of Shiro's business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically Shinji just being a creep again, and Rin once again shutting him down. Uh, uh, it is interesting we- that, like, her defense of Sakura is immediately more uh, uh, effective than any sh- uh, uh, Shiro has done. Yeah, uh-huh. Because, um, like, Rin... Because Rin is good at reading people in a way that Shiro isn't. He's really not... Uh, like, Shiro only knows, like, I can punch, I guess. <laughs> Shiro only knows eat hot chip and lie. Yeah, if I can't punch, I don't know what to do. Uh, at lunchtime, Shiro goes to meet Rin, Rin on the rooftop. Uh, Rin discusses the issue with the boundary field around the school. She still isn't sure who made it, but she believes it's someone with an incomplete knowledge of magic, much like Shiro. The topic briefly turns to ma- to Magi families in the region, and at some point, Rin mentions that she's that she strived to be an honor student in order to please her father. She tells Shiro that her father lived a long time, so she's not sad. But Shiro tells her she's clearly lying, and that she can't just brush aside her feelings because that's what a Magus is supposed to do. Rin, shockingly, tells him he's right, and she can't argue with him. I, I mean, Rin, we've very clearly seen that you can argue with him. You do it all the time. Yeah, it's interesting that this is the one time that she just doesn't bother. Yeah. Where Shiro's like, no, you shouldn't just ignore your emotions. What are you talking about? And she's just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously I'm sad. Like, what? What? Yeah, no, don't be fucking stupid, Shiro. Of course I'm sad. <laughs> uh Getting back on the original topic, Rin speculates that the servant created the boundary field, since a magus skilled enough to create it would have enough magical power to be detectable. The the boundary field will be ready in eight days, so before that happens, they'll need to find and defeat the master. Back at home, Shiro tells Saber about the boundary field. Uh, um, She does say that, like, since they uh, uh, they can't find them by detecting it, uh, the best way to uh, find the master is basically when they come out to use the boundary field. And oh, yeah. Shiro hates that idea. 
<laughs> Which, like, understandable. Like, using yeah. the school as bait is a kind of whack. And Shiro hates that. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, at this point, uh, oh, wait, sorry. Uh, back at home, Shiro tells Saber about the boundary field. He also asks her about Lancer, since she seemed to figure out his identity. Saber confirms that he's Ku Cullen. Uh, sorry, Saber confirms that he's Ku Cullen. She also explains that Ga- uh, Guy Bolg, or Gay Bolg, I don't, bad at this. It's uh, fine. Is yeah. well is is well suited to the war, uh, since it uses very little magical energy compared to other noble phantasms, which means it can very efficiently kill a servant. Um, basically, the explanation is that like uh, normally noble phantasms are powerful because they're basically like magic tactical nukes. Mm-hmm. Um, so because it's very hard to hit a servant because they're very fast, like supernaturally so. And they're very durable. Uh, so generally you gotta you gotta make a like real big powerful attack to like even do anything to them. Whereas like Gale Bulg is special in that it will always hit no matter what. Uh, mm-hmm. and also it is fated to hit them specifically in the heart. Uh, which, you know, since servants are human or humanoid, uh, they kind of need their heart to live. Right. Um so it, it is a requires comparatively far less energy um, than most other noble phantasms, so Lancer can just use it a lot. Uh, it, it, he can use it a dangerous. lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, at this point, Rin and Sakura return from shopping for dinner. Saber hides herself from Sakura, and Rin starts preparing the meal. Later, Shiro is surprised to find she ended up making Chinese food. Sakura explains that she was originally considering a... Oh, wait, sorry. Uh... Oh, wait, hold on a second. Oh, wait, no, I, sorry. Uh, uh, Rin explains that she was originally considering a Western dish, but changed her mind when she found out that no one else knew how to cook Chinese. Sakura and Taiga love the meal, and Rin loves rubbing her victory in Shiro's face. She's got a flex on him. <laughs> However, Shiro can't stand the thought of Saber eating alone, so he impulsively goes to get her and drags her to the living room. This, of course, angers both Taiga and Sakura. <laughs> Uh, because, yo, boy, how many girls do you have living at your house now? Uh Uh-huh. Shiro and Saber come up with a cover story that Kiritsugu entrusted the protection of Shiro to her, but this causes Taiga to challenge her to a duel. Taiga's so fucking stupid, man. (laughs) Uh, Saber beats her without even trying, of course. Uh, at night, a Saber questions his decision to reveal her to Taiga and Sakura. As he often does in these situations, Shiro simply tells her he didn't like the thought of her eating alone, and that there's no reason for his actions, sidestepping giving Saber, Saber a real answer. Alright, so starting day six, uh, the next morning, Saber, Rin, and Sakura engage in small talk about how much... This is the one we were talking about (laughs) before we started recording. Uh, Saber and Sakura engage in small talk about how much they how much they eat to control their weight, with Rin insinuating that Sakura can get away with eating more because it all goes to her breasts. Uh huh. Uh, Shiro wisely stays silent for once in his fucking life. This conversation (laughs) is almost good because okay, so. This conversation is bad. I'm going to start with this first. Uh, It is a conversation that basically frames women as only being catty and being catty specifically about basically food, weight, and tits. Um, 
in like a weird way that only dudes ever write. Um, the reason I say it's almost good is because this conversation, the way it's written, it is also clearly about more than just the like text of the conversation. Um, like they are not, Rin is specifically needling Sakura because Rin is an asshole and still wants Sakura to leave and is possessive of Shiro and doesn't like that uh, uh, Sakura is, like, close to him. Um, Sakura is, like... Okay, I actually like Sakura a lot because this girl's got clearly, like, fucking... Underneath all of, like, her niceness uh, uh, has basically a steel backbone at this point. She kind of has to with a brother like Shinji, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Like, I I genuinely like Sakura, and I want to beat Shinji's ass to death. Um, And so, like, she clearly is, like... It's not murking her territory, but is, like, making it clear, like, no, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I I am going to be staying here. Um, But she's not, like, necessarily lashing out at Rin in the same way. And Saber is, like, also attached to, or emotionally attached to uh, uh, Shiro in that same sort of way, but doesn't know how to interact with it in any way, shape, or form. And so she's a significantly smaller part of this conversation. Um, and so, like, the conversation ends up being, like, a proxy for them figuring out their dynamics and the tension that they have with each other. It's just the subject matter that they use for that is, like, yeah, a, a misogynistic trope, and it's really frustrating because it's like, man, if this conversation was about literally anything else, I would actually be kind of into it. Yeah, yeah, because, like, the the idea behind the conversation is great. It's just, because because Nasu is Nasu, he just he just has to make it about, you know, girls talking about their weight and their boobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna get to this more. Um, I do think this story is doing stuff with gender and with gender relations. It's just also a story that is doing that, um written by a dude yeah it's it's very much like it's a situation where like i I don't want to dunk on nasu like too hard because like there are very much and we're gonna get to it later in in day six actually where he is very there is like um gender stuff that comes up that nasu is specifically bringing up as a this is a dumb thing for shiro to think mm-hmm. um and he's just using it as, as a cover um but also like there's some times where he just like does just straight dude horny shit <laughs> he does straight dude horny shit and even like when he is bringing gender stuff up like we'll talk about with shinji like it's from a dude perspective yeah it's a little messy yeah sort sort of like uh uh sort of like yoko taro you know yeah yeah a little bit um Anyway, uh, after breakfast, uh, Rin turns on the TV when there's another story about a, quote, gas leak. Uh, she reads that this is the work of a skilled magus, since they're not uh, since they're not only taking just enough energy to leave people alive, though in a coma, uh, but they're doing it from a great distance. Um, at school, Rin and Shiro t- resolve to search for source points of the boundary field. During lunch, Shiro investigates the archery dojo and feels a suffocating pressure. Shinji arrives and reveals to Shiro that he's a master. 
Shinji claims he has no intention of fighting except for in self-defense, and suggests that they meet somewhere private to talk. Alarm bells should be ringing. Mm -hmm. Uh, They head to Shinji's house, where he reveals his servant, Ryder, a woman with very long purple hair, a purple visor covering her eyes, a purple collar, and a black dress. Uh, she stands motionless, and Shinji reminds us he's a creep by feeling Ryder's body up in front of Shiro. Uh, yeah, again, it is Shinji. Shinji as a character. Is, it, this is the first time I think we've seen Shinji in private with a woman. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah. and now that he has someone who will not talk back to him... <laughs> Yes, uh, there is a uh, like. It is making good on that threat of sexual violence by making it a blatantly clear statement that. Um, uh, I mean, the subtext of this scene is like pretty blatantly that he is like ab- abusing Ryder, right? Like, I, yes. I, I don't think it is unfair to make that assumption. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty. It's as blatant as it can get without like Shinji doing a villain monologue about it. Uh, yes, um, which would be pretty tasteless. I mean, yes, um, but like both in the uh, uh, dynamic the two of them have, and uh, uh, the way she is basically silent the entire time, and the way he touches her, it is like pretty clear um, that he is taking advantage of Ryder. Yeah. Um, um, Ryder is also described as, like, being, like, the personification of the scent of blood, basically. Um, like, she is terrified. Like, every part about her is described as, like, in context of blood. Her The black of her dress is, like, the black of dried blood. Uh, her purple hair is, like, again, reminding uh, uh, Shiro of blood pooling. Yeah, Sh- Shiro gets real bad vibes from her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> when when uh, he walks in the room, um, Shinji assumes that Saber is with Shiro in spirit form because he doesn't realize how shitty of a maze Shiro is, uh, and uh, attempts to goad Shiro into bringing her out. Shiro threatens to leave if all Shinji wants to do is see his servant, so Shinji relents. He explains that he became a master against his will. The Mato family is a family of magi, but they're already dying out. Their magic circuit began to fade after their ancestors came to Fuyuki City, and by the time Shinji was born, their blood was like that of a normal person's. However, the Mato family still teaches the knowledge of magic, and since magi don't teach anyone other than their successors, only Shinji has been given any magical training, not Sakura. Shinji proposes that they form an alliance to take down Rin, since he believes Rin considers him to be an enemy. Which, you know... Not necessarily wrong. <laughs> yeah. Though Rin doesn't really know that Shinji's uh, a mage, a servant, a master at this point. Um, I, I think it is important to point out here, too, that when Shinji lays this out, uh, this means A, Shinji does not have any magic circuits, and B, Shinji does not have command seals because of that. Because you need to have the spark of magic to have access to the command seals. Oh right, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, uh, so you, so he does not have access to command seals, and also we've been told consistently command seals are the mark of a master. Even if you have summoned a servant, if you do not have command seals, are you really a master? And like the implication from Kyrie is not really. Um, and yeah, because so, like, you have no way, because you have no way of like p- 
pulling the leash on your servant. It, you have no way of pulling the leash on your servant, and the servant is, like, continually framed as, like, they have their own desire, and they are significantly more powerful than you, and everything that they do is basically by their leave. Um, and so, like, the implication here is uh, uh, Shinji is only able to summon uh, the servant because, like, uh, using uh, – or bringing a servant into this world is basically entirely done by the grail rather than by the person. Um, yeah. But the fact that – there is something off about Shinji's story um, based on how we've seen um, uh, servants get summoned overall, like – Rin's, uh, Shiro's summonings both makes, make it clear something is off with uh, Shinji's story here. Yeah, like, he's not telling the whole truth, clearly. Because, mm -hmm. like, you know, why would Ryder be here <laughs> if, if that was the case? Yes. Um, uh, uh, anyway. Uh, uh, why uh, would Ryder be here? Also, if he doesn't have any magic circuits, how is Ryder not gone? It's yeah, been two like, days already. Yeah, like Ryder would just her Ryder, magic would run out. Ryder isn't saber. Ryder is an archer. Uh, uh, Ryder archer is able to survive because of independent action. Saber is able to survive because of her fucking absurd amounts of magic. Ryder is neither of those two. Why is she still here if he is not able to provide any magic? Yeah, because if Shinji isn't like a proper mage, then like he's not going to be able to private provide any more magic than Shiro can. Right. Um, yeah, just everything about Shinji is suspicious. Mm -hmm. uh, Shiro refuses the alliance, telling Shinji that he trusts Rin. Shinji seems to accept this refusal without issue, which is weird. Uh, Shinji also gives Shiro some information. There's a master holdup at Ryudo Temple, who controls a, quote, witch who's, who's collecting souls on a large scale. Then, Shinji tells Ryder to escort Shiro out of the house. Before leaving the premises, Shiro asks Ryder if what Shinji said about the temple is true. Ryder confirms it is, and warns Shiro to, quote, be careful if you are to challenge her, that which knows men inside out, end quote. Uh, uh Temple, for reference, is the temple that Issei is, uh, uh, heir to. Yeah. Uh, also interesting that, like, uh, Ryder actually does speak to Shiro of her own accord. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally seems to be more pleasant to deal with than Lancer was, despite uh, her bad vibes. Also, she doesn't speak to Shiro until they're out of, uh, Shinji's presence. Yeah, yeah, she waits <laughs> until they're outside of the house. Um... On the way home, Shiro runs into Issei, who's immediately suspicious of him skipping class and staring at the mountain where Ryudo Temple is located. Shiro asks him if anything weird has been going on at the temple. Issei says it's been peaceful, but they did recently take in a guest who claims to be an acquaintance of his father. He also remarks that her beauty has been unusually distracting. Issei clearly has been trouble keeping his horny in check. Uh, he does actually... <laughs> Yeah, he, he literally mentions that he has trouble he has trouble meditating because of the physical beauty of whoever this witch is. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he also mentions something about a wedding, but leaves before the uh, that gets expanded on. Yeah. Uh, after dinner, Shiro has a strategy meeting with Saber and Rin. 
He tells them he met Ryder's master, and both of them are angry that he took such an action alone. Shiro continues, though, telling them he got a strange feeling from Shinji's servant. Saber is confused by this vague language, so Rin explains that masters, su- that masters summon servants who are similar to them. Since Shinji was the summoner, Ryder's legend is likely, a not, is likely not so heroic in some way. Uh, at first, Rin doesn't believe the story about a master being at Ryudo Temple, but Saber reveals that the temple is a fallen ley line, much like Rin's own house. Uh, Saber says it's where the life of the region flows to, making it a perfect place to collect souls remotely. Rin asks why masters haven't made the spot a battleground due to its importance. Saber replies that there's a boundary field on the mountain that tries to eliminate anything other than natural spirits, which means any servant that enters becomes much weaker. Since boundary fields aren't inside the temple, though, uh, a servant who's already inside is not affected. In order to keep the ley line flowing, there is one hole in the boundary field. The road leading up to the main gate is free from its influence. So basically, Ryoto Temple acts like a King of the Hill situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the thing the boundary field really does is it effectively makes uh, uh, Ryudo Temple a perfect castle. Um, there yeah. is no way for you to get into Ryudo Temple and be a threat except through the main gate, which means it is a basically like a perfect choke point. Yeah, they know where you're coming. <laughs> Uh, Rin considers this information and, and determines that it would be a bad idea to go on the attack. If you Correct. don't want to, yeah, uh, if you don't want to get an early game over, Shiro will agree with Rin. Uh, Saber uh, protests. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was gonna say. Um, so, did you uh, do the uh, bad ending for this? I did not. So, uh, it, I mean, it, it's not a spoiler. Uh, so, I'm trying to do most of the bad endings just so I can uh, see them. Okay. Uh, if you do the bad ending, uh, Shiro and Saber go there, uh, Assassin pops out, and before the fight actually happens, uh, I believe Shiro is summoned by a Caster, and then fucking split in half, and Caster says something about stealing uh, Saber and making her her slave forever. Um, I see. Uh-huh. So yeah, it... it that, that's a thing that happens, and that... Mm-hmm. Uh, I just... I thought that was curious that that happens. Um, and not relevant, ever. Definitely not. Uh, anyway, um... Uh, yeah, so Shiro agrees with Rin in the uh, not-deadly timeline. Uh, Saber protests, but Shiro reasons that there will almost certainly be a trap waiting for them. He is very right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and attacking now without a solid plan would be suicidal. Saber reluctantly obeys his orders to stay on the defensive until everyone recovers. Or at least, she pretends to. Uh, however, while Shiro is sleeping, Saber sneaks out, summons her armor, and goes to, do, to attack the temple without him. Her pride will not allow her to simply wait and observe. Arriving at the temple, she realizes it's different from how she remembered back in the previous war. The ley line has already been contaminated. As she runs toward the gate, she's intercepted by a samurai, who is clearly a servant, but suspiciously, but suspiciously does not seem to have any magical energy, nor a noble phantasm. Saber asks who he is, and he replies, Servant Assassin, Sasaki Kojiro. 
A saber feels compelled by her knightly honor to also introduce herself, but Assassin interrupts her before she can reveal her true name. At this point, Shira wakes up to feel a burning sensation in his chest. He discovers that Saber is missing and realizes she must have gone to the temple on her own. He rushes after her, but it'll take at least 40 minutes to get to the temple because he's just a normal human. <laughs> mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Saber and Assassin fight. Due to the higher ground Assassin has and his unusual swiftness with his blade, Saber hasn't been able to gain any ground. Eventually, after parrying her many times, Assassin is able to figure out the dimensions of her sword despite not being able to see it. Having grown frustrated with Saber not revealing her full power, Assassin descends from his high ground, uh, basically giving up his advantage, and uses his secret technique, Subame, Subame Gaishi, which appears to make two simultaneous slashes with a single blade. Saber calls it a, quote, multi-dimensional refraction phenomenon. <laughs> Uh, she, she specifically mentions uh, uh, Zelrich, um, which is a name that will be important. Uh, and observes that Assassin has reached the level of a noble phantasm through pure skill. Uh, mm -hmm. it, so yeah, it, it, is, it is not a noble phantasm, um, which likely means it doesn't take magic to use. But he is just so fucking good with his sword that he is able to uh, uh, do this. Yeah, it is effectively uh, it, but, as good as a noble phantasm. Like, like he insists that, oh, it, it's just uh, uh, very quick slashes. Uh, and no, what is actually happening is the strikes are happening literally simultaneously. There are multiple swords existing in the world at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I love how he explains it, because he is like, well, how does one cut a sparrow in half like a sociopath? <laughs> Uh, and the answer is you can't just slice once because the sparrow will sense the air vibrations before the sword even gets close to them. So they'll just dodge out of the way. So you have to make a slash that forces them to fly into the actual slash that kills them. Uh, yeah, so he specifically says uh, uh, a sword, uh, a, a slash from a sword is merely a line, uh, I believe is the exact line. Um, yeah. And so you have to make a prison of the sword. Uh and so uh, I think this is also the point where uh, Saber says, oh, it is clear that, like, that is not the whole of the technique. There should because have been, there should been a slashes. third slash. Yep. Yeah. Um, because if there was, I would not have been able to dodge this. If, if, there, if the ground uh, was better for this, I would have died. Yeah. Uh, the, Saber is doing a lot of, like, going like, oh, I can take this and being like, oh, shit. No, cannot. And incorrect. <laughs> Uh, she determines, Saber determines that the only way to survive another attack like that is to kill him before he can use it again. Uh, she she starts to unleash her true power, causing a massive amount of wind to rush out of her sword. Um, basically, Saber, in order to, like, uh, disguise her blade, has literally encased it in wind. Mm -hmm. Um, and she is now re releasing that wind in the form of, like, a, a typhoon, basically. Uh, Shiro finally arrives at the temple and struggles to move towards Saber through the wind she's created. He barely manages to dodge a knife that's thrown at him and demands whoever is hiding reveal themselves. Assassin stops his assault and retreats back to the gate, not wanting to continue their battle while the intruder who attacks Shiro is still watching. Their fight over, Saber quickly loses consciousness due to the magical energy she's just expended. Mm -hmm. It takes Shiro two hours to carry her back home. Rin, immediately understanding what just happened, helps carry her back to her room. 
Uh, Shiro makes tea and comes back to the living room to find Saber awake again. She asks him if he dislikes fighting. He says that's not the reason. Instead, he says, quote, Girls can't get hurt. As a guy, I can't let that happen. So if I'm going to let you fight, I'm going to fight myself. Suck. Fucking Shiro. Suck. This is the other moment uh, I was talking about. Yeah. Where... So, Shiro is clearly full of shit. I think is yeah. Um, she, this this is Shiro lying and just coming uh, up with a really bad lie that will just make them more angry. Uh, like he he is clearly flailing about for any reason to justify his discomfort, why he's let unwilling to let other folks defend him. Um, like we have established before, Shiro will constantly lie about anything related to his ideal or anything related to the fact that like shiro clearly does not see himself as a person who has any worth or value um and it's not like a specific active self-loathing but it's more just like his conception of himself as a person is like yeah i am fundamentally unimportant um and he is aware that that's like a a fucked up thing to think and so he is always unwilling to acknowledge that yeah because um, he can't say it out loud because he knows people would justifiably dunk on him if he said that was his actual reason <laughs> right um and so like it makes sense that he would say something like this. But again, like that breakfast scene, it's like, you didn't have to do it this way? Yeah, I, I like, this is clearly, clearly like, Nasu is not saying that it is okay for Shiro to say that sort of thing. Especially since, like, no. th- this, this visual novel has been very blatant about Rin and Saber and even Sakura being far more competent than Shiro is. Um, mm-hmm. But also, like, it kind of just throws Shiro's character under the bus in the way that's not necessary. Yeah, and, like... like I'm going I don't, to need more... Because I, I, I don't really think that Shiro would necessarily like think like this about women. <laughs> like, y- Yeah, like... He continually is talking about how competent every woman around him is. Um, but also, like, I I will need to see more before I necessarily believe that the visual novel doesn't believe that that is true. If that makes sense. Or, or that, like, Shiro isn't doing a noble thing in wanting to protect the women's. Um, I, I, I hope that it leans away from that, but, like... I, I could very easily see a way that this goes where, like, yeah, Shiro is right to want to protect the women folk. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> I, I, I also hope not. Um, but, like, uh, between this, between that breakfast scene, and between... Um, so I actually don't know that we touched on this. Uh, uh, the, way, the way the conversation with Shinji goes, Shiro is... Shiro is talking about him as a friend in a way that feels really uncomfortable. Um, like it, 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 it's not the necessarily like, yeah, I'm going to beat the shit of that dude. And I'm barely restraining myself from doing that. Every time I see him, it is like a, huh? Yeah, we're, we're kind of friends. It's awkward, but I guess we're technically old friends. Um, and it, it's like, uh, 
it it feel it is very clearly uh, doing a gender thing, but it's very clearly written by a dude who doesn't have a grasp on the gravity of like the threat that Shinji possesses. Uh, if that makes yeah. sense, um, like there's a degree to it which is like Shinji is being a sexual threat as a means of indicating evil rather than like necessarily uh, engaging with that responsibly, um, which is part of what makes me concerned, if that makes sense. Yeah, there is definitely a, there is definitely a thing where it's like, hey, Shiro, why are you still friends with this guy? Uh-huh, <laughs> like, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, why do you put up with him? Because um, it's not just like, a, a, oh, I am just doing this so Sakura doesn't have a hard time. Like, Sakura doesn't come up in his mind, like, at all during that conversation, outside of, like, I'm glad... At one point, he's like, uh, I'm glad you're her brother, or something like that. Um, because Shinji's like, oh, yeah, I want to make sure Sakura doesn't have to deal with this. And it's which like, is okay, Shinji. Why would you believe him? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, like, all of that altogether has me like a, mm, okay, I I am willing to give you the benefit of the doubt still, Nasu, but, like, you're going to have to do some work. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, so both Rin and Saber are taken aback by this explanation, and Saber is particularly offended by him not treating her as a warrior. In his head, Shiro thinks she's being unreasonable to consider herself as a knight before a woman. It may, quote, it may be true that you're strong, but you're still a girl, he responds. Don't get worked up over such an insignificant thing, you idiot, Saber, uh, that was, that was Shiro saying. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. let me try that again. Uh, Quote, it may be true that you're strong, but you're still a girl, he responds. Don't get worked up over such an ins- insignificant thing, you idiot. End quote. Uh, Saver asks him if he simply doesn't want to be protected by a woman. However, in his mind, he reveals that the real hang-up is that he has been wanting to be the one that's doing the saving, not the one being saved. He tells Saber not to fight and just let him do all the fighting. Saber rightly tells him this is absurd because he has no because he is no match for other servants. Rin finally interrupts, telling Saber that Shiro isn't intending to insult her abilities. He's being sunburned because he doesn't want to see her get hurt. Rin deduces that Saber is more important to Shiro than his own well-being. Shiro tries to object to this, but Rin calls him a liar because there's no other explanation for why he'd insist on fighting when he knows full well he can't be a servant himself. Uh, having come to an understanding, Saber agrees to let him fight, but only if she teaches him swordsmanship. Uh, and that's where day six ends. I'm sorry, did we touch on the fact that there was a third person uh, watching during the assassin Saber fight? Uh, so, I, I kind of did when I said, like, uh, Shiro gets attacked from somewhere. Um, but yeah, he, he has something thrown at him. So there is yeah, clearly so, another party there, but we never so, really we don't learn who it is at that point. Uh, Assassin also points out, like uh, I believe that basically this is a setup, and somebody wanted to. Er, he stops um, Saber from unleashing her noble phantasm specifically because he says uh, somebody is trying to get a look at her capabilities. Yeah, um, which wonder who knew you all were going up here. Yeah, and who tried to have Shiro show Saber to him. Mm-hmm. Weird. <laughs> Wonder who that could be. Coincidental. Uh, yeah, Shiro is just... Shiro, you gotta stop trusting Shinji. <laughs> uh, 
you have an excuse to murder this man. Dead. Immediately. Dead. Kill. Murder. Do a murder. Please, God. Yeah, just kill this guy. Fucking shoot this bitch. Get a gun. Shoot him in the head. Uh, yeah. I mean, it also brings... We know guns are good on wizards. (laughs) Uh, It is a fact that guns are good on wizards, in fact. Uh, I mean, also, like, pulling this into, like, other stuff we know, like, Rin did mention during, I think it was, uh, day four or five, um, yeah, I think it was, like, day four, uh, where she talks about the barrier and says, like, this is not the work of anyone with enough magical power that we can detect, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's clearly the servant who did that. And who else would reasonably not have enough magical power to not be detectable at all? It's a good question. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Shiro, I think you're about to be uh, faced with some uncomfortable decisions soon. Yeah, well, I mean, so that is actually one thing that I think is interesting about um, these three days here uh, is that we see Shiro trying to fence it again. Um, like, he tried to act as though he had resolve uh, at the end of day three. Um, but, like, again, when faced with the option to coast, to not make a decision, to uh, avoid conflict um, that he doesn't really know how to deal with, he wants to do that. Uh, a couple times... I think Sabres even specifically calls him a coward and like both Rin and Sabre do (laughs) not even necessarily in a bad way. Like Sabre specifically is like, yeah, you're a coward because you are aware of the circumstances in which you exist and like are willing to run away because of that. Um, That makes sense. And it's in fact good to run away if you can't win a fight. Um, But like Shinji is like a Shiro is clearly an emotional coward to a degree and not like in the way teens are where it's like, this is a hard decision. And so I'm going to run away and just pretend it's not a thing and pretend uh, I'm un- not struggling for X reason. Yeah. Until the voice, until, until the choice forces itself basically. Yep. And like, we're seeing the consequences of that consistently uh, of that, like backfiring on him. Uh, uh, every conflict that happens with the girls, uh, uh, interacting with each other is because he can't make a choice in how he wants to interact with it and he just is avoiding thinking like uh he even mentions when sakura was coming over that like he it's not that he didn't think about it it's that he was actively not thinking about it because he didn't know how to deal with it um and and so we see this pattern with him again and again of i don't know how to deal with this so i'm just not gonna think about it and then bad things happen because he chooses not to engage yeah uh, yeah, do you have any, any more thoughts on these three days as a whole? Not like... it's really, um, it's mostly just a reinforcement of character, um, and I am curious how it approaches gender, both in this arc, or both in this route and in, like, the other routes as a whole. Yeah. Um, Heaven's Feel especially, I am curious how it's going to engage with gender. Yeah, because I actually, once again, like, I've only watched the first movie of Heaven's Feel, Mm -hmm. which doesn't really get into what Heaven's Feel is that much. Yeah, so so for context, I I know um, almost nothing. 
I know a little bit about Heaven's Feel. Um, I know, like, a little bit about the ending. Um, but, like, uh, Heaven's Feel is the route that Sakura's. Um, and so, by necessity, that means that we will be seeing more of Shinji. Um, we will be seeing more of Sakura's backstory. And, like, there is a dynamic there that is different than uh, Rin or Sabres. In that Sakura is... Sakura is a victim of violence in a much different way than either of these other two characters are. Yeah. Um, and that is where this story's relationship with gender and with gendered violence, I think, is going to be laid very bare. Um, and so I'm curious how it's going to handle it. Yeah, we'll find out in... I think I mapped it out and, like... Uh... It's, what, like two and a half years or so? No, 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 no not, not, not nearly that long. Um, really? So, okay. Yeah, so if we do, like, three days every two weeks, uh, it'll take us, um, yeah, it's it's like uh, two months for each route, basically. Oh, that's not nearly as bad as I expected. Yeah, because, like, we're already on day six of the Fate route, and the Fate route is, um, I want to say 15 days. Okay. I-, I was thinking it was like 22 days or something oh, like that. No, no, no. None of the days go that long. Okay. That's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, let me just... So, so in like half a year, it'll be summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me just uh, double check here. But yeah, no, it'll... Uh, yeah, it'll take us about uh, two months. Like, yeah, it'll take us about... Uh, yeah, about mm-hmm. uh, three, three and a half months to get to Heaven's Feel to starting on that route. Okay. So, yeah, not uh, not too bad, really. Um, okay, yeah, here we go. Yeah, there's uh, 15 days total in the Fate route, um, 16 in Unlimited Blade Works, and 16 in Heaven's Feel. Okay. Yeah, so we're actually, uh, we, we actually only have like um, three, three more recordings left for the fate route. So we okay. got seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to add for this route? Uh, no. I, I think I'm good. I think we covered pretty much everything that I wanted to. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Um, recorded surprisingly longer than I thought I would, considering we didn't have any, like, prologue shit to cover. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had we did have a lot of t- other stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we will be uh, back next week uh, with uh, days 7 through 9 of the Fate route. Uh, if you want more of me, uh, you can find me, you can follow me on Twitter at StiltTheGM. Um, you can also listen to Eidolon Playtest, uh, which is a uh, podcast that I'm a part of, um, where we play Eidol- where we play Eidolon um, Become Your Best Self, uh, a game that my friends Luke and Molly have created. It's a tabletop role-playing game, uh, and uh, Luke is running two campaigns to playtest it. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely check it out. 
Uh, Sierra, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rhetoric Acrobat. Um, I don't, I don't really have like other <laughs> projects going on. I just sort of <laughs> fuck around and do things and show up in places. If I do a thing, you'll find out on my Twitter. Just go to yeah. there. <laughs> I, I make stupid jokes. I post about fighting games. It's all good. Yep. Uh, until next time, podcasts end when you stop recording. Good fucking bye. Oh. <laughs>